0: Chapter 9 of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter 9 Flamsteed, Halley, Bradley, Herschel. We must now return to the other branches of astronomy which were not neglected while the new physical astronomy was making such progress flamsteed has already been mentioned in connection with newton and his work must next come under notice king charles the second being keenly alive to the importance of the navy had concerned himself with various suggestions for determination of longitude and it was reported that some one had said that lunar tables of sufficient accuracy could not be obtained because the positions of the stars from tycho's catalogue were not good enough owing to some erroneous constants employed by tycho and to the fact that he had not used a telescope the king at once ordered arrangements to be made to rectify this by the production of a british catalogue be entrusted to the man who pointed out the necessity of it this man was flamsteed and the immediate result of the incident was the foundation of the royal observatory at greenwich in sixteen seventy five and the appointment of flamsteed to the post soon to be known as that of astronomer royal it is true that the salary allowed him was very meagre and that most of the expense of his work including even the provision of instruments and afterwards of skilled assistants fell mainly upon his own pocket or those of his friends but students of history will be inclined to lay the blame for this less on the king than on the low standards of public morality in money matters flamsteed's ideas were high feeling sure as he did that with adequate instruments he could do the work satisfactorily to himself it is not surprising that he chafed at the poverty of his equipment and was disinclined to rush into print with his earlier observations there seems also to have been an epidemic of indiscretion among many of the leading mathematicians of the time which gave rise to much bitterness between flamsteed and newton and between flamsteed and halley flamsteed was for a long time unable to procure a reliable meridian instrument wherewith to obtain fundamental places of stars by which his sextant observations could be reduced he knew better than most of his contemporaries the necessity for these fundamental places not depending on tycho's catalogue and tables newton does not seem quite to have appreciated the importance of this but for his purpose observations of the moon and planets were more desirable than those of stars and these to a fair number flamsteed provided halley seemed to be more concerned with obtaining immediate credit for work done and was all for quick publication his own catalogue is almost worthless on that account there are many modern instances of the same different points of view one party maintaining the expediency of making sure of anything new before publishing it risking a possible loss of credit for priority to avoid loss of credit for reliability the other maintaining with great plausibility that for the general good any delay is inexcusable as errors are discovered more quickly by many than by one and that in any case there is something to show for your work There are many more arguments on each side, but it is sufficient for our purpose to refer to this as the probable cause of much of the friction undoubtedly existing at the time. Flamsteed suffered moreover from very bad health, and was also convinced that Halley was a confirmed plagiarist and that nothing was safe in his hands. It seems to us now that, on the whole, Flamsteed was very badly treated but there may have been facts unknown to us which would modify that view. Certain it is that he did a great work for English astronomy, and was well worthy of his place at the head of the list of astronomers royal. His British catalogue of stars was a very great advance on anything of the kind then extant, and his observations were of untold value for the testing of Newton's theory." though as he bitterly maintained newton made very little acknowledgment of it in his work it was long before regular systematic observations were made anywhere but at greenwich so it will be well to follow for a while the course of events there it is unnecessary to go deeply into the vexatious delays in the publishing of flamsteed's historia Colestis queen anne's husband george of denmark who had undertaken to pay the expense of it died before any parts were issued but the publication had been entrusted to referees of whom newton was one when Newton's patron, Lord Halifax, fell from power to be succeeded by a friend of Flamsteed's, the latter got possession of the remainder of a spurious edition of parts of his work which halley had brought out without Flamsteed's authority and in a very imperfect form flamsteed destroyed the offending portions of most of the edition but with failing health and advancing age the delays had put it out of his power to revise thoroughly and the work was published after all with many errors and imperfections newton had hinted at halley being his own successor but it was to greenwich that halley came after the death of flamsteed in seventeen twenty it is unnecessary to do more than refer to his early labours his detection of the variation of the compass while still at school and his improved method of finding the elements of planetary orbit soon afterwards at oxford marked him as a brilliant young man recognizing the need of accurate places of stars in his planetary investigations and finding that hevelius and flamsteed were steadily providing these for the northern sky he obtained interest with king charles which enabled him to go to st helena to observe southern stars the catalogue he made there suffered from the bad weather but also from the defect alluded to on page sixty four but on his way he noted the variation of gravity as shown by the pendulum on approaching the equator and in st helena he observed a transit of mercury which suggested to him the method of determining the sun's parallax from observations of the transits of mercury and more especially of venus his visit to hevelius we have already referred to has also his connection with the pushing forward and publication of newton's great work as the result of a two-year voyage he published the first general chart of the variations of the compass and was soon afterwards appointed civilian professor of geometry at oxford he was sixty-four years of age when he succeeded flamsteed but undertook at once a series of lunar observations to extend over a whole revolution of the nodes rather more than eighteen years which he brought to a successful conclusion he discovered the long inequality of jupiter and saturn which as we have seen provided such a problem for the continental mathematicians the acceleration of the moon's mean motion and the proper motion of the stars but he is best remembered in general by his application of newton's theory to the comet of sixteen eighty two which resulted in his obtaining for it an elliptic orbit and predicting its return about seventeen fifty nine the fame accruing to his memory on this account goes a long way it has been well remarked to compensate the great expenditure of time and money undertaken in consequence of his enthusiastic faith in newton's great discoveries he died in seventeen forty two at the advanced age of eighty-five and made way for a brilliant successor whose achievements in practical astronomy have placed him in the very high niche of the temple of fame james bradley was born in sixteen ninety two and under the care of his uncle the rev james pound of Wanstead, one of the best observers of his time early acquired the practice of careful and accurate observation. Since the discovery by Romer in 1667 that light did not travel instantaneously, inasmuch as the ellipses of Jupiter's satellites were observed relatively earlier when Jupiter was nearer the Earth, it had been constantly suggested that if the Earth really traversed such an enormous path, nearly two hundred million miles across in the course of a year then at any rate some of the stars ought to show a displacement or parallax due to the slight change in direction in which they were seen at different times of the year flamsteed among others had sought to establish the fact by observation and had found that the pole star did in fact vary its apparent position in the course of a year but Cassini and others had already pointed out that the motion, whatever its cause, was not due to parallax. Bradley, in order to free his results from uncertainty owing to refraction, selected a star very near the zenith, Draconis, and had an instrument set up on purpose to observe it the results at first were not encouraging for the star certainly had a slight daily motion in the opposite direction with respect to the pole to that which could be caused by parallax and for some time bradley endeavoured to account for the facts by supposing a motion of the earth's axis Examining other stars, he found that some had an annual variation in latitude only, some in longitude only, and others described an elliptical path as both latitude and longitude varied. Since all of them, however, seemed to show an annual period, he concluded that it was the earth's motion round the sun that really caused the apparent motion. A lucky chance put him on the right track once in the thames he happened to be on board a vessel which carried a vane at her masthead. he noticed that the vane appeared to show a change of wind with every tack of the vessel's course and was told that this was not a coincidence but a general rule he at once saw that the combined effect of the velocity of light and that of the earth in its orbit would cause just such an annual effect as he had observed When put to the test, this phenomena, called aberration, became apparent in the observations. But there was still something left unaccounted for in the observed displacements. Once more Bradley set to work on the same star, and, after allowing for the effect of aberration, found a residual error which increased for about nine years, and then diminished for the same period this manifestly suggested the primary cause to be the varying position of the moon's orbit which has a period of rather more than eighteen years and the immediate effect of which is to cause a slow nutation of the earth's axis in the same period bradley determined the dimensions of the apparent ellipse traced out by the earth's poles to be about eighteen seconds of arc by about sixteen seconds these two famous discoveries which assured the place of bradley among the very first astronomers of all ages were by no means the whole of his contribution to astronomy the first was published in seventeen twenty eight and the second for which a whole lunar period was necessary in seventeen forty eight but before the latter date on halley's death in seventeen forty two he had succeeded him at greenwich as astronomer royal having been already for some years civilian professor of geometry at Oxford. The monumental work of Bradley at Greenwich, the foundation of accurate stellar astronomy, was long almost ignored, until his numerous observations were collected and reduced by the celebrated Bessel, forming the Fundamenta Astronomiae, published many years after Bradley's death, which occurred in 1762 meanwhile la Caille, in seventeen fifty one had sailed from france to the cape of good hope to determine the parallax of the sun by observations of mars and venus simultaneous with others made in europe and to form a catalogue of southern stars not visible in high northern latitudes he observed more than ten thousand stars in a year and made many observations of the moon from which in combination with those of Lalande, who was at the same time observing at berlin the moon's parallax could be directly determined from an arc of eighty five degrees on the earth the principal results of french investigation at this time were obtained in connection with the geodesy Arcs being measured in Peru and Lapland to determine the difference of curvature, and many pendulum observations made to determine the variations of gravity and the effect of mountains on the vertical, studied by means of the plumb line. Maskelyne, who became astronomer royal two years after Bradley's death, is celebrated for the voyage to St Helena, which he made to observe the transit of Venus in 1761. The voyage was in many ways a failure owing to bad weather and the instrumental defects, but it gave Maskelyne an opportunity of practising the method of finding longitude at sea by lunar distances, which he subsequently recommended to the Admiralty. Tables for this method were subsequently issued in the Nautical Almanac, which for forty-eight years was published under his direction. Footnote this method has since the great improvement in chronometers become of almost entirely academic interest providing examination questions for naval and mercantile officers and the nautical almanac is ceasing to print the tables End footnote. one great name remains before the close of the eighteenth century sir william herschel the pioneer of modern descriptive astronomy born in hanover in seventeen thirty eight and earning a modest living as a musician at bath he devoted his leisure to making larger and larger reflecting telescopes and exploring the sky with them in seventeen eighty one while thus employed he observed what appeared to be a star with a sensible disc which was enlarged by the use of a high-power eyepiece at once concluding that this could not be a star, he continued his observations and found a slow motion from which he assumed it to be a comet, and sent word to Maskelyne. It was soon found, however, that the object did not vary its distance as a comet would, and it must be a planet. Herschel, in compliment to his patron George the Third, called it Georgium Sidus, while continental astronomers called it Herschel in honour of the discoverer. It has now, however, for a long time been known only as Uranus, though the conventional symbol for it, H, still recalls its discoverer. Flamsteed and others were soon found to have already observed it as a star, and from their observations de the constructed an orbit for the new planet herschel subsequently discovered two satellites belonging to uranus and suspected four more and remarked that many new features of saturn including two satellites which had escaped the scrutiny of cassini and huygens moreover by the aid of his large telescopes he opened up a new field for observation describing a large number of nebulae and classifying many double stars he also from the observed proper motions of certain stars came to the conclusion that the solar system was travelling through space in the direction of a point in the constellation of hercules or rather that it was travelling in a mighty orbit and that its motion was for the time being in that apparent direction His only assistant was his devoted sister Caroline, who besides being at his beck and call while at work, and also acting as his amanuensis and preparing charts for him, found time to discover eight comets, and after her brother's death in 1821 laboured to prepare his observations of nebulae and clusters for publication. End of chapter 9 Recording by Alan Mapstone in Oxford, England